is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Nina Burley is writing an incredible book that comes out in May called Virus, which is available right now as a pre-order. I got into this because I, I'm writing these essays about really to try to explain and cut through the fog of what we just went through. So part of the book is about the almost criminal Trump regime response to it in, in the way the public policy, the handling of it in the United States, and then the amazing triumph of science in creating this vaccine in a year and we discount the advances of science that, and and so i come to this as a big fan of science and my there's a chapter or an essay about the crazy conspiracy theories that that sort of erupted around covid right covid hoax it's just the flu and if you went on reddit you would see oh it's the kung flu and bill gates is behind it and it's a population control it's a population control virus and which is so ridiculous because bill gates has vaccinated millions of African children and actually had the opposite effect on the population than what they're saying he's going to have. But then I got to the lab leak theory and I didn't know as much about it. You know, I read Nicholson Baker's article and I thought this sounds interesting. And then I got more involved and I interviewed Dr. Relman, David Relman at Stanford, who you may know is a microbiologist and who is yeah. open, one of the few American you know, top level scientists in America, virologist, or who is talking about this. And I think what happened was you know, under Trump, we just, I just should call him the last guy. Under the last guy, you couldn't talk about these things because we had this issue with their sinophobic lunacy. And also because they were pushing all these conspiracy theories, including COVID as a hoax, and QAnon was erupting. And so nobody really wanted to get on board. But once you started to look into it, you're, whatever, all of the things that you've said, there were other researchers who were talking about that quite early on, and they were immediately silenced. You know, when Redfield says, science will figure it out, Honestly, I think it'll be one of those things where a hundred years from now, they'll still be saying, you know, it was probably a lab leak, but they're never going to, the scientists are never going to admit. Would you admit if something escaped from your lab that killed millions of people? There's never going to admit it. So I don't understand. I'm not sure that we're ever going to get to the bottom of it. I do thought, I did think it was interesting in mid-March, one of those two team members just a tiny blip on NBC. I think I sent it to you, Zev, a minute or two ago. A little tiny story. One of the members of the team says to NBC, yeah, we know that some of those Wuhan virologists were sick in the fall. Mm. And then you never saw anything about that story again. I've been looking for it because that's what, that's, there's the smoking gun, right? They got sick. In fact, um, they denied that they were sick. They, the, especially in the new report, they denied right. that there was any sickness at the right. Institute of Virology. Now it's obliterated. So I, it's up to the science community to come around. And science is so advanced. The vaccine and this genetic platform that they've come up with, the fact that within 200 years ago, humans were utterly helpless against every single kind of infectious disease, literally helpless, except for the smallpox vaccine. Mm. And then at the beginning of the 19th or 20th century, the, the lifespan of Americans was 48 and 49, the average lifespan. And now it's 78 and 79. 
Why? Because of vaccinations, childhood vaccinations. You, if you were born in 1900, you would have never gotten to be 20 or 25 years old without knowing a sibling or another child who died or who had absolutely traumatic illnesses, the names of which we can't even pronounce. And we are so spoiled by these vaccines that we can walk around. We have half the country going, eh, you think you know better than I do? I'll just DIY it on on the internet. I don't think I'm gonna vaccinate my kid for measles. I'm not gonna take the COVID. We know EMTs up here and, and nursing home staff who have said, no, they don't want it. So we know better than the experts is part of the current cultural moment. But there is another reason why people are suspicious and it has to do with, we know, you know, anybody who grew up in the baby boom or Gen X was even half paying attention to the culture. You know that there was a lot of bad science done by our own scientists and it's all secret. They were doing bioweapons research at Fort Detrick. One of the Nicholson Baker FOIAs has to do with this wheat killing disease that they were that our American scientists in, were working on so they could drop it on the Soviets and starve the, the army. And instead it got loose and they had 20 Midwestern states lost their crops for two years. This is all forgotten history from the 1950s. MK Ultra, acid experiment, LSD experiments. Scott Olson was, on, was at Fort Detrick. Scott Olson was working on Korean germ warfare. And so we know that, that was something that, that the American scientists were working on. And I think that is really the bottom you know, the, at the foundation of this kind of QAnon mania because people know about it. And so here we are with this worldwide, and it's just so bad for science that they, you know, they've done so many great things that they can't, I mean, and I don't know what the answer is. I'm not in your profession. I mean, I think like David Relman at, at Stanford, if more people would come out and say, it's quite possible that this is an accident, mm. then they have, you know, they would have to come back and make some changes because, you know, we're lucky as Zainab Tufek chief says, this is a starter pandemic. It could have been much worse. It could be 50% fatal. Yeah, look, I, I totally agree. And I, I think what, what people fail to see is that we shouldn't stop the science, even at the Wuhan, but what we have to recognize the risks. And we can't have the research occurring under a regime where they hid the truth from the world, if we've been totally frank about this, of the original outbreak. And even the WHO have come out and admitted that to an extent they were deceived by the Chinese in terms of the seriousness of this outbreak back in, in December and, and early January. So they were told there was no person-to-person -person transmission. We now have doctors in, in Wuhan saying, we were telling the authorities you know, in mid-December this was clearly human-to-human -human transmission, a respiratory virus, they should be shutting everything down. That narrative didn't get out to the rest of the world. It was shut down by the Chinese authorities. We have a pandemic now, not because we had the Wuhan Institute of Virology during research or even that they had a lab leak, but an environment where they had a lab leak and then they tried to hide it. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where the real problem starts, is not that you might have a lab leak, but if you then hide the outbreak from the world and also internally in China, long enough for that virus to, to spread and get out, then you are responsible for the pandemic. So it's not mm. the 
laboratory error, I believe, if, it, if that's what triggered this, that really is at fault. It was the environment of the suppression of the doctors who were trying to warn the world from China in December, look, this is another SARS, you've got to shut everything down. And that didn't happen, and that is inexcusable. That's uh, very true. And of course, the cover-up may be continuing today because as we found out from the World Health um, Organization investigation, when the investigators were sent over there for a visit, we assumed, or at least I assumed, it was going to be one of these investigations where they could look at everything. You know, they'd certainly have access to all the facilities or any research or anything. That's not really the way it was designed. As it turns out, they were given a framework that they could work within. And in fact, it was a investigation that is now at least being referred to as a joint investigation between China and the World Health Organization. You know, ultimately, they did get a chance to at least consider whether it was a virus that came out of a, a lab. And so they, this is you know, the four outcomes that they come out with are there's a direct zoonotic spillover is considered to be a possible to likely pathway. And then introduction through an intermediate host is considered to be likely to a very likely pathway an introduction through cold food chain products which is basically that frozen food somehow you know, infected people in wuhan and that food became the origin of the outbreak they consider that still a possible pathway and then the last thing they say is introduction through laboratory incident which is what we're discussing here today was considered to be extremely unlikely however when you actually look at the fine print they said basically that the laboratory incident as a accident was possible but not likely, but a deliberate bioengineering is still possible because they never even studied that. So I think that we have to realize that this was a goodwill mission, calling it, in, even the group who went into China have now said, don't call this an investigation. Hmm. So this was a goodwill mission trying to establish ties between WHO and China. And the agreed mission was for this group, a, a panel of experts, to review the Chinese data. So in mm. other words, the data that the Chinese had collected, this group was to review that data and comment on it. Right. It wasn't to go anywhere outside of that and start asking their own questions or investigating their own hypotheses. So it was never an investigation. And in fact, today, I noticed most of the Western world governments have put out an official statement. This is a collective of the US, Australian, Canadian, and a number of the UK, European countries have put out an official statement saying that they are seriously concerned with the WHO report. And I'm, I'm reassured that not everyone is falling for this narrative, that this was an independent investigation that was going to go in and have access to everything and come to a conclusive decision. It was, as I say, a goodwill joint mission between WHO and China, where, you know, 50% of the members of the panel were Chinese. They had a right to veto of any decisions. I obviously had a very strong voice in what was in the, the narrative that was in that report. And now we have most Western governments saying, you know, don't take that report verbatim as if it was an independent uh, report that was really empowered to go to the bottom of where did this virus come from and uh, this, as this I say is... I think it's very reassuring mm -hmm. that that statement has been put out.
And this is after the United States actually, I think, made them rewrite it. If you listen carefully to what the White House uh, said yesterday in the press conference, they said that they were encouraged that the report had been rewritten. So presumably, mm-hmm. it was even more supportive of the Chinese findings than it now reads. But even now, it's disturbing. And you've got, uh, besides the fact that they've added in all these elements to say it's a joint WHO-China study, and it says joint report, and then acknowledges that it, it doesn't seem to recognize all the possibilities and rank them very fairly. And then what I also find yeah. interesting, we mentioned the two people earlier, Peter Dajak and, uh, and Zhen Ji Shi, I think. Look, they're the, he was on the committee that went there for the WHO. He was the only American representative who went on this investigative trip to Wuhan and and China. And she is the person who was uh, handling all the uh, pathogen identification. There also need to be looked at in a very different light, considering he funded the facility and Zhenji Chi was the person in charge of the research. Yes, look, that's certainly an an issue of independence. And not only that, not only is Peter obviously not independent and has major conflicts, but he's been extremely vocal, in fact, voicing the opinion for the whole panel, even before the official report was made public. He was commenting, this is what I'm going to say in the report, clearly indicating he was the dominant voice of the Western members of this panel, which, you know, is even more inappropriate. It's inappropriate to have someone who's conflicted and not independent. It's even more inappropriate when you allow that person to actually uh, control the decision-making and the wording of what's released out of that report. It's, It's really disappointing, I think, in that context. Well, I was just going to comment that, and you're, you've alluded to it, that money that he was putting into, that Deshek was putting into the Wuhan system was American government money. And he was getting Pentagon funding or Ditcher funding, uh, def- what is it called, Defense Threat Reduction Agency. And it's all very murky stuff. And uh, he had been, I know, soliciting money from private donors in New York for a while, but he also had this thing going on with the pipeline with the U.S. government that was putting money into the bat cave in china he was working with her the yeah. the thing i wanted to ask nick is uh, whether or not i read and i don't know if, if this is something that you looked into that the chinese this the chi Li actually had uh, that viral that institute had a the largest database on bat coronaviruses in the world and that database was taken down i think nicholson baker reports this it was taken down like right after the pandemic really started to fly Nick around. You mentioned that earlier, yeah. And they did he mention it? Sorry, yeah. I missed mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And no I mean that what could be more what could be more suspicious than that? Oh, it's mm-hmm. a national security issue for the Chinese. So I don't know. My only other comment would be, look, you know, again I study I write about government policy and global affairs here. You know, if the Chinese government is forced to admit that they did know that this happened, you have to imagine that their government will collapse. My sources in Washington who work with the, in this sort of intelligence community, are very concerned that, you know, to have to admit this really puts the U.S. also in, in a very tricky position because, especially if it was some kind of a bioweapon, which of course the ban- Bannon jumped on that right away. That's another reason why everybody's like, no, 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 it's not a bioweapon. It was an accident. Let's just put the benign spin on it. It's an accident. Our own, again, let's going back to our own secret bioweapons programs. Many, many, many scientists worked on bioweapons in Fort Detrick, thousands during the Cold War ended and that program was reduced. 9-11 happened and what happened? 
they started throwing millions and millions of dollars into, in, into more bioweapon defense research. Okay, so these bioweapon defense research included, you know, again, whenever you have these tsunami of, con of de defense money, right after 9-11, somebody got rich scamming off anthrax vaccines. This country ramped up. It's you know, under NIH and under NIAID, they were ramping up this biodefense uh, project because after 9-11, national security, just oceans of money were flowing in. And that project, that kind of a project, was destabilizes the world balance in terms of defense. So maybe the Chinese were starting to do their own biodefense experiments. We know the Japanese were. I mean, they've been you, doing it all for centuries. You know, go back to the opium wars. Oh, that yeah. This has been a factor in, in Chinese history all along. But more than just being a factor in Chinese history, this has been part of their defense strategy. And you know, spoken about and written about defense strategy of the Chinese for a long time now, that bio bioengineering is part of their warfare program. So it's not unthinkable that they were somehow developing a bioweapon. And in fact, we know that the Obama administration were the ones to freeze the funding on Zheng Ziqi um, when she was uh, in 2015. And it well, was the Trump, they, that's they froze it all. They were if, freezing that gain of function stuff. Right, exactly. That's what, it, that's what they did because there wasn't, there is not agreement in the virology world. And Nick can probably talk to this. There is not agreement that's such a great thing that they should be doing that in the labs. Many right. scientists think that's a not a good idea and it's not making us safer and so somebody got the obama administration regime's ear mm -hmm. and they said yeah let's stop that and there were people here who were complaining about it ralph barrick in north carolina a very prominent gain of function experimenter now still on the record hey it's a great thing you just stopped these great experiments meanwhile they have refrigerators full of vials of these viruses that as you've described this one it's been taught to like human flesh mm -hmm. or yeah. human sorry, human cells. And you know, we really are living in a very strange world. And you know, again, science's advances, I hail them in my book. And I think that we don't think about them enough and appreciate them enough for the way they've changed our society and our life and our lifespans. But this stuff is, it's due for a reckoning and a rethinking before it really gets out of control. And I don't know if there's anybody having that conversation. At least people are talking about it a little bit more. But well, it's certainly if they restarted the funding, they should. Because I think in 2019, they did restart the funding. And maybe it wasn't specifically yes, to... Uh, so that was under Trump that they decided, mm -hmm. even though in 2015, they determined that, they, uh, that this was dangerous to the world, it could start a, a pandemic. In, right. in 2019, they decided to restart it under Trump. And then a year later, he decides to pull out all the, the facilities we had there to detect pandemic research and to respond to pandemic research, which is also just another you know can of worms to open up. Um, Noel, I've been speaking a lot, and Nina and Nick haven't. I'm sorry I've been, haven't had a chance to let you in here, but what are your thoughts? What are you thinking? My head feels like it's going to explode. It's an important show. And Nina just laid it out. Like, we have to have this conversation. You know? And her book is fascinating. Like, I'm going to buy a copy for everybody I know because it's really, like, I got a sneak peek at it, Nina. And it's if people think this is going to be like a weighty science thing, it's not like the facts are in there and you're going to learn a ton, but it reads like a thriller. You're just like, you, you literally can't put it down. I started it in two places <laughs> and was jumping through because you're like, oh my God, because 
this was almost the perfect storm of so many things. And Nina lays it out in her book. The ignorance that Trump had cultivated and exploited in this country made the COVID virus that much more effective because we people wouldn't wear a mask. They won't get vaccinated now. So it was almost the perfect virus at the perfect time in history. Right. It was like a modern plague because we, we have a dark age mentality and high tech bio warfare, if it is that, mm -hmm. or, or bioengineering. And the confluence of, of those two things can't be overlooked and, and it can't be ignored. And if it is ignored, it'll be at our peril. And we've just gotten a taste of this year of that and it's been horrific, but this could be just the beginning. So mm. it's terrifying and important stuff. Go for it. And also having this discussion, just because what's going on in our country right now is no way impugning the people in China or Asian Americans. Like having right. this discussion does not mean we're in any way like endorsing mm -hmm. any kind of hate crimes. Asian right. Americans help build this country. They're as much a part of this country as are the Chinese people. This, we're talking about science here and not reactionary xenophobia. I just want to make that. Right. So the, you know, the Chinese people have also been victims of, of this exactly. regime and its actions, and in fact are still currently under those under that victimhood. This, this is in no way should be construed as us suggesting that any, or that the studies or anything suggests that uh, this has anything to do with people of Asian American origin or Asian origin, because it just is not the case. This is about the regime in China. It is about Xi and, uh, and the Beijing regime. Look, I entirely agree. It was Chinese scientists who originally actually said this may have been a lab leak. It, it was Chinese doctors who tried to alert the world that there was a serious pandemic on. And the sad thing is the guy who blew the whistle died of COVID mm. as a young ophthalmologist uh, after having been suppressed and hauled in and locked up by the Chinese authorities. They've now made him a hero posthumously because they had to, because the, the Chinese people were incensed by this. But the politics remains the same. And so, of course, they're trying to change the narrative. But are there enormous number of fabulous doctors and scientists in China who I'm sure are equally concerned about how this virus came about? The question is, do they have a voice under the, the current system? So, yes, this shouldn't be anything about xenophobia against you know, the Chinese people. You know, they're a fabulous people and, you know, they're part of the world community. But we still need to get to the bottom of how this all happened. How do we avoid it happening again? What do you make of the idea that this, they described that they did not investigate any bioengineering or the, any deliberate bioengineering of the coronavirus? Uh, and we spoke a little bit while you were off there about uh, that it's not unusual for countries to have bio-warfare. Yes, we, everyone's leaning towards this idea that it might be accidental, but what if it wasn't accidental? What if it was a bioengineering event? Is it possible that that's what it was? Is that still likely out there? Yes, look, I think we have to separate bioengineering from bioweapons. Every, everything we do in our lab and every other lab in the world now is bioengineering. Um, right. All our vaccines are created mm -hmm. by bioengineering. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the fabulous breakthroughs of the 20th century mm -hmm. is our ability to manipulate the genomes, whether it's of a virus or making a drug or a vaccine. So bioengineering is legitimate. We shouldn't in any way infringe or, or restrict that because that's where all the great drugs of the future right. are going to come from, like gene therapy. It, it's a revolution and it's amazingly positive. As I think Nina was pointing out, science 
is going to deliver amazing things going forward. And we shouldn't block science and go back to the caves. And that right. is not the no one's suggesting that to this yeah. or to global warming or anything. I know, because I think there is an ideology out there that you know, science has created these problems and therefore let's shut down science. And there is a large anti-science community, let's be honest, in the United mm -hmm. States particularly. And you know, unfortunately, the previous president seemed to give encouragement to, to those anti-scientists. So we don't want to turn this into an anti-science debate. And I think Nina rightly pointed out, you know, science provides the solutions. Occasionally, science will take something will go wrong. And you know, yes, you know, we need to try and reduce the risk of that. But we can't totally avoid it, but we have to manage it. But we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Science is essential to humanity going forward. We should encourage it. But yes, when it goes wrong, we should be honest and admit to it. But as I say, not allow that to encourage people who are anti-science or anti-vaccines or anti-everything else. But what about, the, is it possible that this thing is a, is a bioweapon? Or it was deliberately released, I should say. Maybe that's a better way of, of discussing it. There's no way to know, but no, I would look, say, I, I, look, no, I don't, I don't believe it. Yeah. I don't believe it. I don't think you should even go there. I think well, that's why the Trump, you know, that's why people wouldn't talk about this during that period, because that's what they were I afraid of. I understand what you're saying, but I just want to know if it's within the realm of possibilities from the science that we've assessed so, so far, is the bioweapon still a... a possibility and is a deliberate release still a possibility in the science no I mean, absolutely presumably yeah, if look, you were caught yes but let's just well, uh, you know, we'll leave it at that it's fine look at yeah there, there's so many things about this that says that if someone did it in that they weren't very competent it's not designed in a way that would function as a bioweapon it's terrible but it doesn't kill everyone and of course if you're mm -hmm. going to release it you'd have a vaccine and you'd immunize your whole population before you released such a monster. Mm. So no, I, I think we can totally discredit that possibility. What do you think is the likelihood, Nick, that like we find out in, given the atmosphere that you see in the science world, that we find out or that, you, that more scientists start to come together behind you and people like David Relman at Stanford, do you think that this that there will be there will come a consensus I mean, do you, are you sensing that among your colleagues that there will come a consensus where people will begin to say let's talk about this look absolutely i think it was very tough last year to talk about this and there was a lot of pushback i think as time has gone by and more and more scientists have joined in from all around the world we now talk regularly to people in europe the us hong kong even people in china so I think that, yes, more and more people will be brave and will look at the data and make their, their own conclusions, which I think you know, there is a lot of evidence out there if people want to see it as to why it might be a lab leak. Similarly, I think the Chinese, I, I think this would bring down the Chinese regime. They, they have an amazing ability. If they sense the writings on the wall and the global science community is going to come out with a consensus that this really was a lab leak, then you know, the central government, just as they did you know, with the suppression of the information at the beginning of this pandemic, they just sacked the local officials and held them accountable. Mm -hmm. And uh, similarly, they would take fairly extreme action against uh, the local people involved mm -hmm. and absolve themselves of knowledge or responsibility. So I think they've shown that they can actually 
admit to an error and wear it and get away with it in that that sense. So I think if they do sense the scientific community has moved very much in that direction and they can't really hold ground against it, I'm confident the Chinese government will actually flip. And again, in their discussions, they've never excluded the possibility themselves. So mm. when you look at the fine print, they've always left it there as the lab leak. They're not saying remove that completely. I think they're leaving themselves an out there if they have to. I, I think that's uh, very astute, and I think that's exactly what we might see at the end of the day, because the scientific community has shifted. It's clear, just in the, you know, since May last year when I first published my story and did my podcast, to now we've seen a giant shift in, in this possibility, and certainly the, the Biden government has not disputed any of this. It's not like they came out and said, oh, what Trump was saying was nonsense. In fact, they've done essentially the opposite by not disputing anything. You know, there was a big fact sheet that came out from the State Department in the last week of the Trump administration, which laid out all these facts and people disputed it because it was the Trump administration. You know, the Biden administration has not come out and said well, that is wrong or incorrect. In fact, by their silence, they're saying it is correct. And then we also saw Blinken, the foreign secretary, state, sorry, secretary of state, also say that he has some concerns about the methodology of the WHO study. And then we heard the, the White House also say that they had asked for some rewriting of this WHO report, which means there is a giant shift going on. So really, it's now in China's core. Are they going to act in this way you've suggested, where they say, yes, we were wrong. Maybe there was uh, something we've discovered since, and uh, it was a, a lab leak. Now, that does not you know, help them. You know, maybe domestically they can control that. In terms of their foreign expansion, it's certainly, and their new influence campaign you know, to influence the world, it would certainly take away from all of that because they've been using the vaccination and other uh, responses to the coronavirus as a way to influence and boost themselves around the world. That would, be, that would have to go. That clearly would hurt them on a foreign, you know, foreign relations kind of way. But in terms of the domestic crowd, they could manage it that way. They could manage it by saying, we've discovered something that, and uh, we now know that it was a leak. That's certainly a possibility. I was just watching the Adam Curtis documentaries. I don't know if anybody has seen any of them. They're amazing. Um, uh, I can't get you out of my head. This amazing BBC footage that he weaves together. And a lot of it is in China during the Cultural Revolution. I highly recommend people watch this. It's, it's uh, mesmerizing about our recent history as, as humans on this planet. But there's a lot of, you know, I mean, the, the Chinese hit, you know, the government was, was, in the 1960s was, you know, innocent people were trotted out and, and, uh, and sent to jail. I mean, it's an, you know, it, this is how it works. I mean, people disappear. I mean, there's a, you know, you, when, when Liang, who was the guy you talked about who died, um, the, the ophthalmologist who was the whistleblower in that hospital in Wuhan who died was actually tipped off to the problem by an earlier, WeChat conversation by a woman, the head of the ER department in Wuhan named Ai Fen. And Ai Fen, with the second or third month of the pandemic, was interviewed by China's version of People magazine. Who knew that they had something like that? And she told this story of how she started to notice, like, you know, this is very, very contagious. And within a week, you know, that the, you know, the doctors were getting sick and the nurses were falling. And she put out on WeChat to her colleagues. This looks like SARS and it looks a lot more da dangerous. The next morning she came into work and they said that she was called into the office and told, don't ever put that onto WeChat. You are, you're making us look bad. You're making your city look bad. And furthermore, keep your mouth shut and keep, put your head down and keep working. And then she went on in silence. And this Wen Liang is the one who then took that and went out with it further. 
she wrote this piece ran in whatever this version of magazine, people magazine is it was immediately taken down by the chinese government and the chinese people tried to get around it translated it into some the all of these obscure languages including like some language from lord of the rings or something i mean <laughs> unbelievable and it has been print it was printed in harper's you know harper's quarterly what not harper's uh lewis lapham's quarterly they printed it in full last summer so you can still see it but it's not online mm. uh as far as i know it's uh those are the lengths that the chinese people will go to towards trying to get their own story out and this woman has been silenced I mean, she's not been seen since so i agree i think that they would if they had to they would just trot some people out and say you just you did this terrible mistake shame on you shame on your family shame on your ancestors or whatever it is and that's it and then they would be they would attempt to go forward i don't know if there would be some kind of i don't know enough about chinese uh politics to know or chinese the society I, i'm not whether there would be a kind of a response and a, re a rebellion against that government i don't know they they have and one of the things i write about is the reason that they were so effective in in controlling their pandemic is that they used these this biosurveillance gear that we would we don't if we saw it here we would freak out i mean people ripping their masks off and punching walmart managers over masks mm -hmm. if they saw cops coming to them with the they had these glasses that could identify somebody's history and could tell they had drones taking people's temperature you couldn't leave your house without checking in and out with your phone they knew every where everyone was all of this technology is available and they were using it and applying it to their population so it really is a very futuristic kind of dystopian place not saying that we're not doing we are doing surveillance with surveillance capitalism where every single you know every man woman and child in america has 50,000 data points for sale every year and from snowden that the national security state can dip into that stream whenever they want to we're just as surveilled in a different way but you know in america it's rip the mask off i want liberation nobody's even talking about this other yeah. aspect well, the surveillance a is, an, is a big issue it's another day we'll do that that's another uh, certainly story. the, the yeah. passports are beginning to show their their uh, face here and that's going to be a big issue nick petrovsky from flinders university in a adelaide i, I want to thank you so much for your persistence in doing this research and sticking with it it takes a lot it takes mm -hmm. a lot to resist the the efforts of the entire scientific community and i i, I gather a journal after journal which turned you down for whatever reason uh, and, right. and still to this day i was still questioning it but it seems like it's the it's not only thorough but actually the most uh, accurate um, of all the, you know, the attempts to identify what the origin of the virus was. So thank you so much for sticking with that. That's uh, an incredible testament to who you are and, and your work. It's a pleasure. But thank you so much for being here, Nick, and have a good day in Australia. It's a real pleasure, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Lovely Cheers. to meet thank you, you, Nina and Noel. Uh, and thank you. Narrative is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative.